So we got some some scribbles from you. I'm not sure <laughs> what they yeah. mean exactly. I asked Scott, what do you want to speak about? Actually, he asked me first, but I never have ideas. You're the man of many ideas. So he sent me a little scribble from his notebook. And um, yeah, you had some ideas. So let's well, hear it. I, yeah. Hey, um, what I realized after I scribbled some things down and then uh, sent you a picture of it, basically, um, was that I didn't write down the most important part of one of the things that I scribbled. I actually like kind of messed it up on the picture that I sent you. Um, and so here's the idea. Um, have you ever considered that pitch? You familiar with the term pitch? Mm -hmm. in um, that pitch equals rhythm. Have you ever thought about pitch in terms of rhythm? No, I'm also not the music philosopher myself. So why don't you expand? So actually, I don't think it takes much like musical philosophy. But so for, at first, it to me, it struck me as counterintuitive, which is like, I think of rhythm as like drums, like the rhythm section, like I'm beating out a, a, a beat, like quarter notes or eighth notes or four, four time or things like, you know, you understand the rhythm of the song, the pace. Mm -hmm. um, and then you think of the concept of pitch, which is like a note, like an A note or a B flat or a C sharp or, or whatever it is. Um, and I think about those as just notes. I didn't really think about it too deeply. But then you you quickly remember that pitches are can be represented as frequencies, as like 432 hertz mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. six hertz or things like that and you realize that a frequency is uh, something that's also time-based whereas when you think of pitch and note you don't think of time that often um and then it sort it starts to click in for me that pitch note is actually rhythm because a frequency is really just a rhythm so essentially you can create any note just by controlling the rhythm so right i can take a mm -hmm. wrench bang it on a handrail and depending on how quickly i bang the hammer on the rail that actually changes the note and the pitch um so i can play any note that i can play on a piano i can play on a handrail with a hammer yeah. right um so it's just really interesting to me to think about um that a concept like pitch which gives the song or the melody like so much of its flavor and tone and meaning and you know you think of a melody as a combination of notes yeah you don't think of it as a combination of rhythms right yeah you, well yeah each note is merely just a particular rhythm and so the song itself is actually just a sort of transition of of rhythms so what yeah. i don't know what, what do you think about that well, it seems like uh, very fractal, you know, like you have all these different because when I think rhythm, I think a song has one rhythm or maybe two. But mm -hmm. in many ways, it's like many different, many, many songs inside of one bigger song. Oh, and then you yeah. have holes and, and you have the mul multiplicity and the unity as uh, <laughs> our good friend speaks about. Wow. That's what I'm thinking about. That is true, right? I, I'm imagining now too these little sort of wavelets, you know, and there's bigger waves or longer waves, and 
smaller, shorter waves embedded within. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about the fractals. Um, it's like self-similar, right? Self-similarity. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Um, and then there are also things in music or electronic music or production where you use overtones, right? And you you create certain uh, tones or timbres just based on like the combination of overtones and mm -hmm. how those fractions sort of map onto one another. Um, and so again, thinking of a song as some like thing that has these different ratios of rhythms um, yeah. is an interesting way to think about a song. Uh, what conditions do you think you need before something is like a song? Because if you have something that's completely, I don't know, unharmonic, I don't know what the English word is, disharmonic, I'm not sure. Disharmonious, maybe, or disharmonious? Disharmonious, does it still count as a song? Like, when do you count something as a song? And then you can go to reality, because I know Richard Watson speaks about, um, well, I'm just getting into his theories now, <laughs> but he's trying to draw the parallel between, like, organisms and evolution and, and music. Yeah. So similar with organisms, I guess, at some point you have an organism, at some point you don't. Is that like the same with, with songs, you think? Ah, good. Yeah, good point. I think there probably is some of that gray area or just like granularity. Mm -hmm. uh, and like you said, there's um, with life, it's like, do you find a single cutoff point? It's like maybe that's the wrong way of even thinking about it is that there is a single cutoff point. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> maybe... Uh, Again, there's a sort of fractal nature here to where we can zoom in indefinitely towards whatever boundary we see and realize that there's not actually a boundary there. Yeah. Um, and so maybe some of that scaling is like uh, is there, but we can probably uh, determine sort of useful boundaries that we can create distinctions around. And that's mm -hmm. still good and fun to do. And like we should be able to say like this thing is alive or this thing isn't, even though we recognize that there may be sort of uh counter examples or in-betweens yeah. um so when is a song not a song right i guess uh what does that depend on i think that's what you said um i've i'm like immediately drawn to some sort of like uh observer dependent type of answer yeah right? where the nature of it being a song is that someone is hearing a song mm -hmm. you know because let's say there's multiple observers and a song a song is being played or maybe a potential song is being played and um, I hear a song and my five-month-old doesn't hear the song. It's like yeah. he's absorbing the sounds of the song, but is this song sort of this uh, like emergent higher order property of noise or, um, or rhythms, I guess, yeah. if... <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. Is, it, is a song just the notes no um but is the song there without notes mm. probably not not yeah. that case either yeah it reminds me a bit of quantum physics what you were speaking about you know the parallel you draw with the observer is the song there without the observer you said potential as well which i think is the exact same language that people use uh when speaking about the particles let's say Right. the waves yeah <laughs> duality um, yeah well what do you think about can you get a song without an observer what do you think does it exist in a platonic sense 
Yeah, that's possible. I'm not sure. I don't know if I should think about it similarly to mathematics. I've asked this question to you before. And I think you you said that you didn't think it was exactly objective, like mathematics, you know, and numbers. Oh, yeah, like, we did into that last time. Yeah, we? we did. Yeah, a while back. I don't know what it is with music. I've been getting into, you were asking me before, what ideas am I exposing myself to? I've actually started listening to um, this producer who interviews artists among many other people. And then he asked the artists like, what they think about music and all these things. And what really inspired me was that um, there's this one artist I really like. And she, she said that when she makes music, she's just trying to mimic nature, let's say. And she says that the music comes to her. You know, it's like, um, same with, uh, what's his name, Mozart. He gets the music in one go and then he has to spell out the notes. So in that sense, I think they might actually be because to them, they are given, you know, like they're received. They don't create them out of thin air. So I guess you have to be receptive to it. But I don't know if we are necessary, like if we are the necessary component to actualize the songs, perhaps the songs are merely ideas before that. Uh, okay. Maybe there's like archetypal songs out there. <laughs> Some yeah. are more harmonious than others. Um, yeah. Or we've been fine tuned to a certain set of like harmonies. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about though, in, in terms of like what makes it harmonious or what makes it disharmonious mm -hmm. or what does that dictate whether it's a song or not. Um, and I, I actually, you saw probably on my scribblings, I was thinking about harmony in terms of um, almost like a scale of health or unhealthiness. Right. Yeah. What do so, you mean by that? Well, I guess if I'm thinking about, uh, well, I mean, if I'm sort of going all of the way with, as you said, quantum physics and wave particle duality and, or string theory or something, I'm thinking about real waves or fields that, you know, comprise, I guess, what yeah. I am. And so am I just a bunch of rhythms or frequencies or waves or pitches or notes you know like is my existence actually a song because it's just made of rhythms and cycles and there's a certain motif to being me yeah. um and um so harmony or disharmony it seems just like a it's like an indicator of your health or something it's like is your being in harmony or not yeah. you know and not maybe that is sort of manifest it or or represented like in disease or pain or yeah that actually makes sense to be honest i think that i heard um what's his name peterson and the mathematician who was also training richard uh no what's his name do you know the theory of everything movie Oh uh, yes. What's the what's Stephen Hawking? Stephen Hawking, and then you had his teacher at that school, and he's still alive. And his name is ah, uh, people will know. Anyway, it's this it's this guy, and uh, they were discussing ma mathematics, but also music in the same conversation. So that's funny; it comes back to me. Um, and Peterson said that he thought that music was meaningful because it seems to reflect reality. So the you know the the patterns where you have the the recurring patterns and then you have the dynamic 
quality within the songs. It seems to be a reflection of reality. And I guess if your life is not like that, then it's disharmonious and it can cause you to be sick or depressed. And similar people that, that uh, experience mystical experiences, let's say people that go on psychedelics, what Vicky speaks about then is that he says that a lot of those people, they experience a reality and then they come back and then they want to make their reality more like that reality. And that reality I think is similar to music and there's always music involved. Well, often with these shamanic rituals, you know, sure like i want to make that like this so i guess it reflects something very true um of these patterns let's say so that the harmony is i guess and that brings me actually to a bigger idea because last week i was asked if i thought there was a true or more true worldview you know like if there's a worldview that's more true than another and i actually think that beauty is an indication that your perception is correct so I actually believe, and I can't prove this at all, but I actually believe that that the depth that beauty affords is an indication that it's more real than the the shallowness of a suspicious worldview. That's uh, interesting. So okay. that's disharmony. Yeah, I see. I, I think that, that is true too. That gut feeling of beauty is just some not explicit understanding of good or something mm -hmm. right yeah um what was what stuck out to me was that you use the word depth of of beauty so there is beauty that's shallow and there is beauty that's deep is that what you're suggesting too well i'm not sure if it's still beauty if it is shallow or it's ah, a so very cut off that's where we have we have to go give ourselves a little maybe boundary. And, yeah maybe we do because yeah. if um, something is is not very beautiful then i guess it's shallow but is it still beautiful then or is it just ugly <laughs> i don't know right. yeah it's um and then to think about the different perspectives or points of view that can find or experience beauty when sort of simultaneously viewing the same or very, very similar or corresponding images, um, that interpretation of beauty is really interesting too. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it makes me think that although like the way that beauty is connected to values for each person may not be the same, the fact yeah. that it is a connection between beauty and values, I think, is present in everyone. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Beauty and values for sure. Do you actually think that things are beautiful or do you think that you just interpret them as beautiful? Do you think there's some underlying actual beauty? I My first thought is to say no, but then I quickly change to yes when I just include myself in whatever it is that I'm looking at out there yeah. uh, is that we share some, we share some nature or some history or some origin, I think, or um, just the fact that we're sort of entangled, you know, that which I'm viewing and that like, which I am. And so in a certain sense that 
knowing that that underlying connection is there, like that there's roots under the ground, it makes me think that there is something uh, objectively beautiful out there. Mm. Yeah. Because okay. I, I can, I can determine in my thinking and my awareness, whether it, I can recognize whether I feel like it's beautiful or not. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, that's connected to something out there, which is fundamentally the same, maybe on the deepest levels. Um, or again, like you said, similar patterns. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot to, there's a lot to open up with this when you bring in ideas of like resonance and frequencies and things that you can be attuned to or not. Right. Yeah. There's uh yeah. And just thinking about our universe as like electromagnetic also, which is, yeah. it's such a cool part of physics and chemistry and biology too. How do you mean that electromagnetic? Well, just like that living systems, well, and in non-living systems, just the physics of the world seems to have energy as one of the fundamental concepts. Like we can't yeah. really describe what energy is, I guess, to, you know, a certain degree, but we know that there's these relationships of, you say, forces of electricity and magnetism that are sort of co-creating or mutually causal or something like that, or yeah. at least interacting. Um and that the chemistry and the biology are responsive to some of those or the chemistry and biology is just a responsive thing. And then we map sort of what those responses and yeah. are with us physics, which is like just uh, symbols that represent con concepts and relationships and things like that. And it's just electricity and magnetism is one of those central things. Yeah. Um, so okay yeah yeah i got you do you do you have a, a certain direction you want to go into based today? on what we've just spoken spoken about oh gosh is there man. anything you want to dig in deeper to because otherwise i'll steer us in a different direction because hmm. we had music i think yet you, you had more thoughts on it for sure well, you know, I'm trying to continue to bring things back to this, just like talking it out with people, this idea of tension. Mm -hmm. um, and putting things in terms of music, um, I think is a, maybe that's a reason why I like the musical metaphor so much is because tension is, a, again, a sort of like deep and diverse concept within music where at different levels, like... Yeah. There's tension in the in the story of the music. There's tension in the crescendo of like the expectations. Um, but then there's also simple things like the tension that you put on the string, like yeah. dictate actual sound, right? And that there there needs to be tension there. Um, and so again, at these different layers, there's this sort of tension um, or even in just like the holding things together um you know what is it how do you know when the song ends and begins mm. you know like again it's like what is this a song or is this not a song what about just one song it's like how do you know when the song is over how do you know when the song has started um those those are interesting boundaries to 
to think about. And yeah, there's just some tension that holds the song together where you know what is the song and what's after yeah. the song has already been played. And so I wonder about what are those connections or those relations um, or the, the tensions. I think that's something really for artists to answer, which is why I was so interested in in hearing artists speak about well, music more deeply. Do you, do you ever make music yourself? So um, not to a high degree of difficulty. Mm. Uh, I have at different times had access to a piano where I can just kind of just play around with different melodies and things, but not writing it down. Not, but I have developed some patterns over time that I could go sit down and play right now. Um, so I've done a bit of that. And then I also did, um, for a while I lived with people actively making and performing music mm -hmm. and they recorded and rehearsed music in our apartment and we all live together. And so I have a really deep insight into, um, like making, making songs and, um, just the musicianship of my friends that I lived with and, and that what why do you why do you ask or have you like what's important about making music what insight does that give you think i think it gives you a non-propositional insight into some of the questions you were ans uh, asking such as the one about tension i think knowing when a song ends or begins i think an artist can do that quite well like i i've had times where i was much more emerged into music and then you can kind of like discover the the melody let's say you let yourself be guided by it and then you try to listen when it's supposed to end. I think I think that's one of the reasons why artists are much more prone to to believe in in God or something ob objectively out there because it completely seems like it's not you doing that, you know? Mm. Like those patterns they're not you. You have to interact with them, let's say. So that's why I asked because I thought maybe you had an insight into it. That is also perhaps hard to explain, but that, that is, is there. Yeah, it's um, it's something you said it was non-propositional. Is that what you said? Yeah, I think you can't really fully explain it. I can try to, but Good. I, I like that sort of category that you're letting me in on. Like, thanks <laughs> for saying it that way. Like, <laughs> is don't necessarily describe it all the time. It's just yeah. something you do and you intuit or you have impulses like that just arise um i have some of that in i guess in the music very minimally a little bit more in like sketching i may have mentioned that to you before like yeah. i did a series of like compass drawings um i experienced that sort of artistry and like the tension of what goes where and where to stop and what looks beautiful or good or even sort of weird or you know yeah. there's this like i don't want to like like the grotesque sort of beauty sometimes yeah. uh, like counter beauty um that i started to like see a little bit um the other place though that i think is just like in athletics i think that that is a form of like artistry too which i experienced mostly like in playing soccer but actually now as an adult i actually like to try to dance a little bit and like that cool. sort of um uh, again, like not deciding, but like 
doing something. It's so weird sometimes when I'm able to like really let go, like in dance and like be connected with just the movement of, well, the, the movement of the song and the the tension in my body and like the, the potential placement of my body. It's, and again, like you said, it's like, I'm not really doing it. Um, I didn't plan it out. And so I do have a sense of that. And you're right. It's like the flow mentality kind of. Yeah. Uh, so. And it yeah. requires a lot of discipline as well. Like you're talking about dancing, making music and athletics. Like you don't get into that if you're untrained usually. Ah, uh, that's, tr- that's very true. It takes a, um, it takes some investment of practice yeah. to even allow yourself to, sort of let go yeah except maybe like in ecstatic cases where people just like start like whatever just dancing all over the place like uh-huh. you know let it go you can just like drop down into that and really like let loose um so that's really interesting it's much harder with a musical instrument because it literally is it's an instrument like you have yeah to, you have to have lots of like control um mm-hmm to do that where the body is a little bit more straightforward you have (laughs) yeah you can just burst out no that's true yeah Yeah, i i recently thought about this and i I thought about it like the masculine and the feminine or let's say the order order and the chaos like you need you need to have that structure you need to build that up you know what i'm saying sure and then once you have that that level of discipline then you can let the feminine rain free and then you can like start to dance and that's yeah. much more mi- mysterious whereas the masculine is much more repetitive and much more structured but as but as you said in order to reach certain potentials like that the feminine offers mm-hmm. some of that requires a prerequisite of whatever masculine structure you know or like a framework yeah. uh, some some sort of foundation um yeah that's a really that's a really good point. Um, one thing, what do you think about, okay, so here's, here's an interesting thing. Um, so I often have been trying to equate, uh, this idea of like potential with something maybe we would just call like virtual. And the reason that I want to try to connect from potential to virtual is in that sort of um, subjective experience. So it's like the virtual is almost like the subjective version of potential. Um, Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I had to to say it again. I'm so sorry. The virtual Um, is the subjective version of potential. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, It's like extracting from the potential. Yeah. um, But Still, it's not actualized it's still like a virtual right yes so, yes okay yes example, I, okay no i got it, <laughs> with, it an ath- with an athlete right like i'm about to make a decision or a reaction to let's say in soccer like i'm running down to the top of the box and the winger is about to cross the ball in mm-hmm. and i'm having to like devise a plan it you know to jump up and get with yes. a header in. yeah so um there's like a whole potential of like what actions i could take to have the outcome be like a header goal and um 
But at some point I'm going to extract from like all the potentials of like all the positions that I could run to, where I could jump, how I could position, you know, beating my man a certain way, like using a screen or like whatever. Um, at some point I like decide sort of, and then that becomes a virtual action where I've committed to, I'm going to stop here, run in plant and like go up. Right. Um, because at some point we do have to pick something to actually take the action. And so that's where I think of like this translation from the all potential actions and then some virtual action, which you then try to enact. Um, so I wonder if that's another way of looking at this sort of, is there objective beauty out there? Mm -hmm. Or is the beauty just when we go and approach beauty or that we attend to beauty? Um, the same thing with the potential action versus the virtual or yeah. and, or the mathematical concepts and, you know, all of these different. So why do you think we see these like two distinctions? And I'm sure some philosophers out there could like say why this is a horrible wrong way to like look at things. Yeah. Well, I think it's just so deeply embedded or something, you know? Yeah. But that's exactly it. It's the Aristotelian metaphysics that, that a lot of our society is built upon. Mm. So we find it difficult to find different categories. And I think it's funny with Favicki, how he creates the third category, transjective to try to break out of that. Um, one, one metaphysics that I really like is by Robert Persig, and it's the metaphysics of quality. So he doesn't go to subject-object. He goes to dynamic and static. That's his dichotomy. And I like it much more because to me, it encompasses the world much better. Mm. It's one that I play with a lot, like anything in my life. It's ah, like... Interesting. Yeah. It's very close to actually masculine and feminine. Static is the masculine. Dynamic is the feminine. Ah, okay. I was going to ask about the static because um, yeah. I often think about things in terms of like constant dynamics, like mm-hmm. how to escape dynamics, like what does static even mean? But I see what you say, static in terms of, again, sort of structured um, or like conservative, you know, like yes. the, or sort of like fighting entropy. Mm-hmm. Some people might say, right. Like the, like holding it together instead of, um, you know, letting it break down into entropy or something. Yeah, that's fully dynamic. If it's fully, yeah. yeah. The one thing I wonder about, it's like, to me, it's almost like the static has this sort of implicit dynamics to it, where it's like, it's fighting against something just Mm -hmm. to be static, Mm -hmm. um, right? So where it's not actually that different from the dynamic, which I think is a good thing. It's like, there's some commonality that there's, movement it's just that the static is a sort of like um equal and opposite or yeah you see what i'm saying there i see what you're saying it's like a balance versus an imbalance Mm -hmm. or something um yeah that's interesting when you think about static and dynamic um i start to think about friction yeah makes sense where there's generally friction between things that are moving Mm -hmm. past one another and in a certain sense they're opposing one another because they're they're different um and uh 
so again it's like this uh the static friction is like what's holding it in the same place and the dynamic friction is like when things are moving past each other yeah um so i don't know i'm just uh that's no just that's like interesting me, but i'm also thinking about you know like this reality is ever changing so in that sense even the static is what you say it's balancing instead of uh imbalancing let's say but if you go even deeper to the to the platonic realm let's say then you enter into truly statics so i remember this is how 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 john verfeke explained the hegelian synthesis is that you first had some greek philosopher who was like all reality is uh dynamic all reality is changing all the time and then another philosopher was like no 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 all reality is actually static because you know referring to the platonic ideals and the, the forms how much i must say and then the hegelian synthesis was like no actually you have the static patterns the archetypes let's say and then you have the the images that that's that's what we view in reality so that's mm. so in many ways the dynamic comes forth from the static and there's different variations on it and then even within, here's back to the fractal thing, right? Because even within our reality, we have the same dichotomy approaching. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. And I wonder if, um, because you used the terminology of like images um, mm -hmm. and like the, st the static platonic forms, I'm thinking about this sort of like casting shadows, you know, where the, the platonic forms are casting projections of what they are the images that you that you um noted and yeah. that in order to cast an image there has to be something else mm. <laughs> not the forms that's not the image yeah it's what it, it's the energy it's the work that um gets done through the forms to like actually project an image right it's like the light um, yes 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 this is exactly this is how my brother tried to explain i think the good to me he explained, he used the sun with that. He's like, we have our eyes and we have the objects, but we need the sun to see. And he said, the sun is the good, I think. Maybe, yeah. but I'm not sure. I don't, I don't understand it well enough. So that makes sense to me, the way that I like to think about things. And again, like I will, like, I, I don't know anything, <laughs> you know Same. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't really know, but like, I just have intuitions. Mm -hmm. and, um, I, I like to, fall upon these like relationships of three i think we've talked about that yeah. before this is like my tagline now is like i think three is the number to go with and i think of my three now as like one thing out of which two emerge a pair which yes. make which makes three and so um in this case it would be like the one is like the light and then out of out of light or on top of light or something like with light um the relationship of the forms and the images are able to exist or something like that. isn't the light the, the relationship in that case i think so i think so That's, that that could definitely be a way to think about it and um that really works for the way that i think about things which is how do you get to three it's by taking a polarity and taking that third perspective yeah. on the fact that there is a polarity 
It's like, you can think about things existing on the polarity in a sort of like flatland line sense where it's like, this thing is just like, to, you know, one dimensional. It's like, you can go this way on the line or this way on the line. Mm -hmm. and you take this view of like, oh, there's a line with a polarity. And that immediately brings in this third, this third aspect. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so I think that works with the way that you were describing the forms and the images. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Sounds like the the Trinity almost, you know? Yes. I, exactly. We So do you want to keep stacking up these sort of triads? Like that's yeah. what I'm finding really interesting. Um, is that three just seems like there are so many that are related to the three. Um, now... I haven't really, no, I haven't told you about like, or, or maybe I have, did I tell you how I would like to try to categorize like everything like zero, one, two, three, four, five, six. We were seven. going on the journey. I think you went away from tunas with the fence. Remember the fence? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we went to three in us and then, oh, okay. and then we had to cut it off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I guess ultimately like what I'm trying to work through is like, plotting out all of these different categories, like fitting things into categories just based on number. Mm -hmm. It's like not even needing to understand what the elements each mean, but just mapping how many elements there are in general. And then thinking that there is some story that takes us all the way through zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, it might be yeah. fun to think about things in terms of like a cycle of eight, like an octave that mm -hmm. is just a fun place to start. Um, and that, yeah, all every time you step up in adding a new aspect, um, you have to incorporate everything that has come before and those mm. still exist there, right? So yeah. even in something that we categorize into like a relationship of four, four pieces, um, we have to recognize that there was a three, a two, a one, and a zero underneath that in order to get to four. And so thinking about those two things of like, what fits into the categories? How are the categories different? Why is five different than three? Why is six different than eight? Um, why is one different than two? And um, and then thinking about the, the story of cycling through, and in my mind, just zero through seven and then starting a new cycle sort of again, I guess would be something interesting. Um, but there's many other systems that go above eight and 10, you know, and these numbers, are they, a, are they a framework for reality? What are they exactly? You're talking about two-ness and three-ness. What are they? I don't, I don't know. It it just seems like a way for us to recognize difference. Yeah. It's like two, two is one more than three. And like, if I, take away one from three i know what i get so like i um <laughs> you know i don't know why yeah. do you see boundaries and counts and um yeah the then thinking about number in terms of geometry instead right which is like you could think about the number four as just like a four-sided shape um and it's only slightly different, but it's like, yeah, I know when there's an extra side, I can distinguish when there's three sides and when there's four, I don't what, why? I don't know. It's just like, I can tell that there's a difference. Um, so yeah, that's everything about really... everything about the number zero. Oh yeah. That's like the most, the craziest one, honestly. Um, 
because, well, I mean, anytime I start thinking about zero, I'm immediately bringing along infinity, basically. Yes. Um, so there's that sort of like a loop of polarity, right? Where it's like z infinity comes all the way around back to zero or something. Yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> there's some like horizon between zero and infinity that's really similar, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, actually, actually, I heard that the number zero was discovered, like it was discovered at some point, like in history. Like a lot of like Egyptian mathematics, I don't think they even had the number zero for the longest time. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like to me, it seems so right. obvious, but it's it, it it helps. Like practically, it helped people a lot. The number zero, in terms of what they could do. Sure. Sure. Yep. And especially in record in recording things and having yeah. a system, like an abstract symbol or system for things. Yeah. yeah. I wonder. To me, there's like two ways to like start with zero, which is like the idea of like nothing, right? which is this kind of like zeroness mm -hmm. that we can imagine, which, but I think we quickly realize that that nothingness in reality, at least for us is more like having one of something and taking it away, Yeah, which is the sort of the other side of zero. Like I have something and then that amount is gone. There's like an absence of some mm -hmm. amount. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so I think that's like, I don't know, to me, I think that's the way I think about nothing, which is just like everything taken away instead uh, of like this fundamental nothingness Yeah. Um, where there wasn't even a one. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. 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 It's kind of like you're, you're the nothing after the fact that there was something, but what is the nothing before there's something? Maybe that's much more powerful. Maybe. I, there's a really good book it's called religion and nothingness by um nishitani i don't know if you know him. i think he's from the kyoto school it's john Verveke's favorite book oh wow it's like you can really follow it at the start and then goes into nothing goes into um into <laughs> <laughs> no not into nothing into extremely complex topics that i just can't so i, I i've read it multiple times and then the first half i can really follow and then afterwards it goes to zero but um Oh. It's, it's interesting how it explores nihilism and, and, and nothing in the sense that in a way, nothing is, it's like nirvana, you know, and in another way, it's complete depression. And the depression sounds more like what you just described. It's like, oh, I just had something and now it's gone. And then nirvana is more like, ah, finally, it's infinity. It's, or it's like, it's the, op it's, it's escaping the framework itself. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Right. And, um, Oh, another way maybe to like, again, like wrap around this polarity of like infinity or like everything and nothing, which is like, if you have, um, if you take into account everything, there's no difference. Right. And so, <laughs> right. Or yeah. like, if yeah, there's, yeah, nothing, exactly. there's, there's infinite difference, you know, it's like, it's all potential or something mm -hmm. like that. You know, even though there's there's nothing there, it brings into that infinity, maybe like infinite potential. I said infinite difference, but like, yeah, yeah. So there's that similarity again of um, yeah, the nothing and everything is is weirdly uh, connected. Uh, yeah, maybe you can't have nothing without everything. Maybe you need both of them. I'm not sure if that's true. Yeah, the origins of 
I mean, right. Like I can't even go to the place of like before the origin of things that happened, you know, like was yeah. there thing or was there not? It's so hard to think about. I just honestly can't even do it. No. Um, maybe it's about breaking why, uh, frame. Do you know how say that again? maybe it's about breaking frame because you know how we live in, in space and time. And perhaps if you escape space, or space and time, you go beyond things. You know what I mean? Like the, then, then you're beyond those categories. I think that that might be why the word nothing and infinity are so close together because maybe they're more like symbols referring to a reality beyond our own reality where those maybe they refer to something like that beyond the categories. Yeah, I agree, and that's why I feel like um, in the story of the numbers from zero to eight you go really quickly from zero through one to two. And, yeah. and then there's like a massive leap from two to three. Um, but like the zero, one, two part, I feel like happens in an instant or something because you, as you said, it's like stepping outside the frame of nothing, like maybe gives you the something. Yeah. And then once you, once you get the something, you get the not something, mm. right? Like, and then that gives you, and so the third step, the big step is getting outside the something and the not something and seeing that relationship. And um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just think there's such a big leap in three from two to three yeah, and a very simple, simple path from zero to two. Reminds me of Adam and Eve, like uh, when she eats the fruit, go from zero to one. And then afterwards you have to reconcile some things <laughs> figure it out <laughs> oh, I've, never, I've never thought i've never thought about it that way before i know that uh bernardo castrop describes that moment as the the moment we were meta-conscious i think so it's it's kind of like you know it's the type of consciousness we we have now and in the bible it's described i think as the knowledge of good and evil so it's kind of this this knowing it's it's kind of going beyond nature and I've, I've thought about nature a lot, but it's kind of the ability to become unnatural. And I guess the third step is mm -hmm. it's either learning how to become natural again, but doing it with that enhanced consciousness or escaping all of that altogether. I don't know what that is, but I think that's beyond my, my grasp. I think I'd have to get words that refer beyond words to speak about it. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I just want to point out that I liked that you said uh, sort of above good and evil was knowledge. And it's like, there's that again, there's the polarity and then mm -hmm. the knowledge of the polarity yeah. right, is where the interesting stuff happens and the asymmetry sort of the, or the symmetry breaks. And like, we get into some new thing, which is um, the idea of a relationship and not just uh, the things themselves. Yeah. Um, so, oh gosh, I'm trying to pick up. There's so many, you, lots of things that you say are like, yeah. really just you got a relevance to realize you got a, <laughs> you got a combinatorial yeah. explosion, my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. It's, it's bringing me back to like, well, the, the health and the disease, right. When you bring mm -hmm. up like not of good and evil it's like bringing me back to the 
like how do you navigate or balance your healthiness and your disease or like how are you getting in tune or in harmony with your own good in your life yeah um and recognizing a lot of that um do you uh i find it hard to um i find it hard to be really reflective and then live that through yeah in my, in my yeah that's like you know, feedback right yeah but like if i if i really like take to heart the idea of like my disease and my health is contingent like on whether or not i'm harmonizing like with my life um putting what i see like i can see and reflect like where i'm in harmony and where i'm not in harmony occasionally not that often mm -hmm. but but then taking the next step and like retuning myself or like playing a different melody to like get it right. Yeah, that's I the difficult part. Find that really difficult. Yeah. Um, I think that's maybe where you need chaos, to be honest. Interesting. Why? Well, we are so static in many ways over the years. I like the analogy that's like, uh, like ski slopes, like you have the mountain of snow. And then you keep oh. going into the same ski slopes. And the deeper we go, the deeper entrenched our behavior is. That's why it's always hard for people that are middle-aged to change their behavior. And if you do want them to change their behavior, they need kind of like a reset. So that's why psychedelic experience seem to be so helpful for that. It's because they, wow. they, they let different parts of the brain speak to each other. So their entire aperture is is it's like there's entropy in the system there's noise in the system and then you can see things from a different point of view so like going into the water can allow you to be reborn the water being the chaos the rebirth being the new patterns that you can now consciously um, navigate mm -hmm. or create oh that's really cool that um yeah the the chaos again it is is that's like what gives the potential uh some movement or something right yeah. like the or like you said the static it's what like turns the static into something dynamic which is like yeah. ultimately like maybe what needs to happen is yes like, uh being static can only like go so far or like if you're static too long then you what are you're done or you're you're you know you can't move and like we need movement or we need change or um stat static is temporary yeah um, or if it's not then you lose existence or something yeah you, you die know? turn into stone yeah or <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. you turn to stone um Wow, that's really cool. Uh, Actually, it's like imbalance. Do you know, you sp spoke about um, balance and imbalance. I think right. you need imbalance to escape that. That's exactly what you used. You said that the static was like balance and the dynamic was like imbalance, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. If, if, if you want to, so I'll give a personal example. At the first 18 years of my life, I, I developed all these patterns and whatnot. And then I dr drastically wanted to change my life. Wait, you're still here, right? Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. sorry, you were just standing still. I thought you were freezing. Oh, I was, I was listening. <laughs> Turning into stone. No, uh, <laughs> no, and then I took uh, time off, and I think the the lockdowns hit and everything, and I completely reshaped my life. So I threw everything away that I had, all the habits, and then that was the chaos, let's say. And then I lived a very imbalanced, or let's say, a chaotic lifestyle in the sense that I cut off all people, and then I started to create new structures. But it, it took a time of imbalance to reshape my reality. So it took a lot. It took entropy. I threw, threw entropy into my system so that I could find out what I did want to hang on to. Yeah. And not that it was all like happy and good or, no. like, you know, like it, it, I'm sure some of it was like scary or like, yeah. or but the, um, the imbalance affords you the opportunity for change and learning mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah. Oh gosh. I I can relate to that sort of uh like throwing everything out. I think yeah. of myself as a I I spent a lot of time filling up the jar, like thinking about the static part of myself as like the jar and like and then I had this life-shattering event and like all of the pieces were the jar was empty and the jar was not even a jar anymore. It was just it was shattered. And so like first you have to like put your structure back together to like get a jar and then you can start like filling the jar up again and yeah kind of like you i feel like the the emptiness was an opportunity to refill Mm -hmm. as before being shattered it's like there was stuff down at the bottom of the jar i couldn't touch anymore yeah it's like it was buried so deep it was um right and uh it took like that shattering that chaos to to just yeah allow for the opportunity of something different to take mm-hmm. up that space or yeah or and it goes both ways with people lot because we spoke about the lockdown but also people being unemployed for example spoke about this today it can really go both ways like a friend of ours she's unemployed now for a little bit and she's turning into like the most healthy person we've ever seen you know like uh she's she's working out like crazy she's completely taking agency and with other people what what happens or what has happened a lot said it went the complete other way so when the lockdown hit they just turn into um you know they just go into the couch and they do nothing all day so that's that entropy you need to be able to turn that entropy into something if it's useful for you otherwise you need structure at all times yep and in both of those cases uh the job is never done Mm. right even for that person that is became really healthy it's like yes and it will still have to uh withstand the test of time yeah right and and so it's a continuous sort of new it's always balancing right there's uh you know the and i mean the balance between static and dynamic or balance and imbalance there's a balancing between balanced and imbalance or chaos and yeah and uh yeah and that's ever changing um and either person in that case of like uh the lockdowns or whatever or like a traumatic event or whatever you and i just referenced there's opportunities to go in many different directions you could maybe say like two directions at any given time or something like that you could simplify um and um you can always turn it around and you can always get turned around as well so it's like yeah well, uh, look out for, um, look out for the time when you take a turn for the worst and don't give up hope on like turning it around as well. If you're, 
if you're not in the place where you feel it's like beautiful or healthy. Um, yeah. Because there's amazing, incredible stories in both directions, mm. really. And um, I think we're all capable of the all, you know, either end of those. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm coming to the end of my free time, man. Yeah, that's all good. It's always a pleasure. Scott is a, is a father, so <laughs> yeah. that's it. But that's, that's beautiful. That's your duty well, now. Oh man, I I just I want to talk more, Lucas, and yeah. like there's I feel like there's things that we could just collaborate on besides just talking, and mm -hmm. um also you are someone that is in a position to create connections, and so you play a role of like connecting things and connecting people and thoughts together, and yeah. so if you ever think about um like doing a a project from that like privileged position that you have of interaction and all of that, yeah. just reach out to me and tell me how I can contribute to whatever it is you're doing and collaborate. So yeah, that's awesome. More than anything, I'd love to play uh, football with you, soccer. Oh, one day. That would be awesome collaboration. I'll have to do a health. I have to do a health <laughs> because uh, I'm out of practice, but uh, yeah, I can if still I'm ever, yeah. I can still move around pretty good. I believe that it's built in. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, All right. Scott. Dude. All right. We'll set up another one. Absolutely. Thank you I so really much for your time today. Y'all. Good to see yeah, you again. Yeah. I appreciate your time as well. Thank you. All right. See you, my friend.